it's still very dreary here in Vancouver, you know, a lot of rain, a lot of gray. So it still feels like right. 2020 in a lot of ways. Well, you need to suffer somehow when you live in Vancouver. <laughs> so I, I'm comfortable with you suffering a little bit like that. This is Van Color. My name is Mo Amir, and today on This Is Van Color, I am kicking off the new year with a guest who is not from BC, but we won't hold that against them because, boy, they have offered some important perspective, particularly through 2020, for the entire country. He is a Canadian YouTube star and artist with a global fan base. His family-friendly comedic content has generated 500 million views. This guy is a bona fide social media celebrity. He is the internet's favorite dad, all the way from Stratford, Ontario. He is Stuart Reynolds, better known as Brittle Star. Brittle Star, how are you? I'm so good. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, and happy new year to you and your family. Yes, to, to you and yours as well. I, let's let's cross our fingers and hope this thing works this time. <laughs> Absolutely. I got to ask right off the bat, though, what did you do for New Year's this year? Did you take the family down to St. Bart's? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. We t I took the took the family to uh, our living room and uh, and just enjoyed the company there. That was enough for us. <laughs> I love it. That was a big international story out of Ontario. Hey, it was crazy, you know. Because uh, and and what's interesting is I'll do content that's kind of like I try to sort of speak to content that's. Uh, an audience internationally is going to understand in some way mm -hmm. and uh, doing that video about the finance minister from Ontario and how he uh, posted his Christmas video. And it turns out he was in St. Bart's the whole time. It was like, I, I posted it thinking, well, you know, maybe I'll be lucky if I get like 10,000 views on this because like, who cares? It's an Ontario, you know, politician who cares. Yeah. And it turns out there's lots of people who cared. Yeah. <laughs> <which is great. laughs> It was crazy because we saw the national reaction out West here in BC. And, and just to recap for anyone who, for whatever reason, hasn't heard the story, the now former Ontario Finance Minister Rod Phillips takes a three-week vacation to this Caribbean paradise, St. Bart's. And at the same time, he's issuing scheduled fake-out tweets to fool the public. <laughs> and it was like... Merry Christmas. And I think one was like National Pancake Day or Maple yeah. Syrup Day or something. And all this is happening while Ontario is setting new single day COVID-19 case records. So yeah. how pissed off were the people in Ontario? Well, it's interesting because, you know, like for, I can only speak sort of personally. And initially I saw it and I was like, oh man, like I think, you know, people took most umbrage of the fact that it was three weeks. It's like if the guy <laughs> snuck out for like four days, you'd be like, ah, that's really kind of a you know jerk move to do, but yeah, we'll let you off this time. And it was like three weeks. Come <laughs> on, man. It was too much. But it was, you know, I think initially it was like, ah, oh, that's just sort of regular sort of slimy politician sort of, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Um, but then I, I, it was interesting, like to me, because I, had, a friend of mine, had contacted me afterwards, like that night that I mm -hmm. put the video out, and uh, and said that uh, his his wife has like some serious health issues, and I was like, oh my god, like you know, there's I'm looking at light at the end of the tunnel, but there's people whose tunnel is just getting crappier. Yeah, and I thought you you know the rest of us just want to kind of get back to normal so we can take care of these people who are having a harder time. And I thought, you know, I can't even go consult. I can't even go have a beer with this guy to sort of, you know, ease the burden a bit. So that kind of made me angry. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, then when he resigned, I was like, ah, oh, whatever, that's fine. So. <laughs> I think it would have been great if, Premier Ford fired him while the finance minister was like in the air in his return flight. <laughs> and then as soon as he lands, he finds out and then he has to meet the press like right away. I feel like that would have been fitting. I think it would have been better if he would have been fired while he was still in St. Bart's and had to green screen like he was at Queen's Park or something here in Toronto and uh, and do the whole, and I just pretend like, oh God, oh no, what am I going to do? I better go catch the next streetcar on Spadina. I mean, it's not like that. <laughs> Either way, you know, it, it was interesting to watch. You know, what one thing about BC is we see the numbers in Ontario. Not that we in BC are, are doing particularly great either, but we see those staggering numbers where you are. And I'm just wondering, what's the general feel of how your province has handled the crisis? 
I mean, you know, initially we were, we were kind of smug and uh, it, it was, everyone was kind of like doing what they were supposed to do. And we even briefly, uh, you know, lauded Premier Ford mm-hmm. uh, and said, well, you know, this guy seemed like a bit of a dork, but he seems to be doing a pretty good <laughs> job now. That's great. And that, I mean, all that goodwill has been just obliterated now. Um, mm. But I think that, you know, the feeling is we're concerned. We're trying to lock down. I think that it's really hard because people have a hard time grasping um, the basics of how viruses work, which seems, you know, somebody accused me of being condescending by saying that the other day. And I was like, well, yeah, if that feels condescending to you, you should buck up Um, because it's like, we just have to follow the rules. That's all we have to do is follow Mm. the rules, work together in that social solidarity that Canadians are so proud of. And we need to actually kind of walk the walk now. And I think some people are just at the end of their tether and uh, it's understandable, but it's really, really frustrating though. So is that what's causing the spread is just people not following the rules? Because you guys have quite intense lockdowns. Yeah, we're currently under lockdown right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So that just means curbside and delivery for everything like shot. You can't go into a shop or restaurant, obviously, and that type of stuff. Um, But yeah, no, I think it is kind of, you know, people messing around. So we're seeing we're starting to see that sort of two week post Christmas holiday Christmas party spike happening now. And there's just so many people, which I find really frustrating and that they, they have this attitude of it hasn't happened to me. Therefore it can't happen to me. Yeah. And it's nonsense. And it's, it's, you know, I, I think there was a, uh, I'm trying to think of exactly what it was, but there's, I mean, there's been a number of people who have said, you know, uh, I didn't think this was real. And, uh, oh, it was the Dr. Drew Pinsky. That's who said that. Who said, I didn't, you know, I, I kept talking right. it down. Didn't think it was a big deal. Now I've got it. It's a huge deal. You know, yeah. I said it was overblown. Yeah. Now I want you to blow it up more, please. Really frustrating. Yeah. It's fascinating. You know, last spring in BC, we were all pretty happy with, with the government's handling of the pandemic. And, you know, it almost felt like we, we got it under control. We had almost zero cases coming out every day. Some days we had zero cases. Right. And then. Right. Towards that end of the year, we started to see, you know, that second wave come in, cases are spiking, people starting to be a lot more critical of the health office, the public health office, rightly or wrongly. I feel like we've just started to see so much more anxiety and anger, even though vaccines are being administered, but there is this general doomy gloom in BC, which we didn't really have since the very start when we didn't even know what this was. Totally. I think it's because we're getting to a point where, you know, initially when the pandemic hit Canada, it was kind of like the big thing was locking the border between Canada and the US. And it was mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, let's ride this out for like, you know, 30 days and let's see how it goes. Yeah. And 30 days became 60, became 90, became 120, and it sort of went on. And I think people now are, I think the anxiety and the doom and gloom comes from the idea of, you know, are we, is it ever going to stop? Like it, it's, it's kind of hard to imagine. Yeah. And it gets to the point where it's, you know, like even wearing a mask out, if I'm not wearing a mask, it feels like I've forgotten my glasses or I'm not <laughs> wearing my shorts or something like that. It's just sort of weird. Yeah. I, I was uh, filling up gas in my car and I didn't wear my mask while I was doing that. Cause you're outside. Sure. You're not really around anyone. Yeah. And I popped into the, the little store. And then as soon yeah. as I walked in, cause I saw a few people in masks, I was like, Oh my, you know, you almost feel like you're <laughs> caught or something. You're like, Oh my God. You I'm that back. guy. Yeah. Oh my God. I, yeah. <laughs> so were they calling premier Ford premier dad? Cause that's what we call premier Horgan over here. Well, you know, I, it, yes. So the, <laughs> for whatever reason, the, the, the news media had decided to run with this premier dad in quotes thing. And, uh, I felt it was like sort of silly and apparently it's like a running joke, meaning not just premier Ford. It's like lots of other politicians get Mm -hmm. referred, premiers get referred to as premier dad or whatever. And uh, I don't know. It doesn't help. (laughs) Did you ever try his cheesecake recipe though? I heard it's world famous. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you know, I can't, I don't, I can't fault people for trying, you know what I mean? Like he's trying to do some, make some nice content, put a little fun out there, Sure, but it's, it's a fine line between, you know, trying to seem cheery and, and at the same time being tone deaf at the same time. The guy driving your car is like, you know what would be really fun? Let's just uh, close our eyes for a bit. (laughs) No, we can't do that. (laughs) Maybe just turn on the radio for a little bit. Come on. (laughs) 
I have to say, on that note, I think you've been a godsend for a lot of people. Like, there's a there's been a lot of people doom scrolling the internet, and they come across your content, and you've really encapsulated the way people feel with this comedic tone. And I discovered your stuff this year. I was late on the bandwagon, and I love it because I think you channel people's anger towards you know the dummies the anti-maskers the rule breakers the rod phillip types and then you give a message of hope but i think what has separated your content from all the other you know we're in this together internet content during the pandemic is that you really go out of your way to acknowledge that yeah we are all feeling anxious and sad Mm. and angry and that's okay. And I think that people need to feel seen. They need to feel validated in terms of their emotions. And on the internet, I think you became that voice for a lot of people. So was that at the forefront of your thinking while creating this content? Or were you just making stuff and it happened to resonate with people that way? I think that people need a vent, right? That they, they need, uh, they need to look to content that is got their same views or at least sort of someone is sort of saying the stuff they're thinking. Mm-hmm. And one of the benefits I have is, is having a platform. And I feel, you know, when I, when I say something, I have the luxury of, knowing that people will actually hear it um or at least a group of people well a number of people will actually hear it mm-hmm. um and i feel that there's a real need for people to vent so i think the people that are doing the right things who are social distancing who are wearing masks who are curbside and delivering when they need to or when they're taking lockdown seriously all that kind of stuff they deserve to have someone on their side who's mm-hmm. saying yeah, you, we're doing we're doing the right thing here. We're doing the right thing, um, and I think it's it's okay to mock the people who don't buy it because it's not like it's a, a you know it's not like the the blue and black dress being white and gold. It's it's not like an internet thing where it's like it's your opinion or you know it's 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 like it's not even perspective. It's just these are just facts. Like these are just like hard scientific facts, and it's like and people's lives are on the line, and people's lives are on the line in the sense that. Uh, you know, I was thinking the other day that I, I haven't hugged my parents and I'm lucky they're both still around, but I, I haven't hugged my parents since like February, like last February. Yeah. That sucks. Um, and they live in the same town as me and I see them on their front porch and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's obviously not the same. We don't get to go anywhere. They don't get to go anywhere with us. And, uh, I think it's, it's important to be able to sort of create a message that goes out to the people who are doing the right thing to say, yes, we're doing the right thing. And to also just slyly trying to rope in those people who aren't doing the right thing, or maybe are <laughs> sliding a little bit and go, no, okay, I will, I'll, I'll go, you know, snap back in line and, and do my part. And if I can do that with a couple of really weak jokes, that's great. <laughs> well, I wouldn't call them weak jokes. And that was actually going to be my next question is, you know, we, we talked about premier Ford kind of being tone deaf, but giving him a little sympathy because he's just trying to create some cheer. How do you create that balance in this environment where obviously it's very serious. We need to get people on board. People are dying at the end of the day, Yeah, but you are injecting a form of comedy and a bit of relief, I think for people without being tone deaf about everything. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Um, you know, life is horrible. Life is like, <laughs> life is just like, it's, 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 you know, brutish and short as the saying goes. Sure. And, uh, I'm, I'm acutely aware of how lucky and how fortunate I am, especially being a middle-aged dude who lives in the suburbs of Stratford and gets to make videos and pretend to be things for a living, which is pretty great. Um, and I think that, uh, it, you know, at the same time, you can't, you can't just ignore feeling bad or feeling angry or mm-hmm. frustrated or anxious. I mean, I know certainly for me, as far as this pandemic goes, like mental health has been a, a big focus yeah. in general and that it's, uh, uh, I get angry about things. I, I guarantee like every sort of, you know, three to four weeks, I'm going to have this like ebb and flow where I go down and it's like, I get a little bit too panicky about what's happening. Mm-hmm. I try to build myself up. And uh, I think if my, if, like I firmly believe that any kind of art, and that's a really, really, really broad description of the word art, um, including the nonsense that I create, I think that if if it can serve as a, a purpose, then it's essentially becoming a life preserver. And I think that's a really important thing to do. And I'm a big advocate for people who create music or mm-hmm. films or videos or posts or write or do blog posts or whatever. It's like, you need to get this stuff out there because there's somebody out there who's going to 
who's going through a rough time, who needs to hang on to this, and they, if they can see a little bit of themselves in that, it's going to save them, which is really, really important. I find it interesting you brought up this idea of you know being in those downs and then building yourself back up. The more people I talk to, and I call it the COVID coaster, I, I feel like that's been the ride of 2020 is, you know, totally. you really get down and then you do kind of build yourself back up and then, you know, your mood goes down for a few weeks or maybe even a month or, or longer. And it's, that's been the year, you know, you, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just been up and down. I think so. I, you know, it's in, I sort of see myself in the role of the content, at least I'm trying to see myself in the role of, of the content that I'm creating um, as being a little bit like, you know, when you were little, if you're fortunate enough to have a good mom and dad, mm-hmm. mom and or dad, and uh, and the parents would be like, you'd be going through some sort of scary situation or something that would be a little, you know, would, would be some legitimate trepidation about what's happening or what's going to happen. And your parents would be comforting and sort of say, yes, you know, this is scary, mm-hmm. but don't worry, we're going to get through it. And you know, like as like having been a parent and being a parent myself now, it's like, you know, I realize that the moms and dads are like, you know, about to, you know, evacuate their bowels and they're terrified <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but at the same time, you're like, your outward face is like, listen, this is scary. I'm validating what you're feeling. Yeah. And this is frustrating, and angry, but at the same time, don't worry. We're going to just keep pushing through because we have no choice. We just got to keep pushing through and keep, and get through this. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And that was actually one of the biggest things that I've learned. I've just always had a natural inclination to to being a positive person. Mm. I'm very happy-go-lucky, probably because I'm very fortunate in my life, but that's just, you know, just how I am. And one thing I learned through this pandemic is that we all have to sit and digest these grieving emotions, and we all experience them on some level because we had our lifestyle, at the very least, taken away in 2020. Uh, Some people were definitely hit harder, but we all suffered in our own ways because of this abrupt change. And, you know, it was the first time that I realized that, like, telling people the silver linings or just being like, yeah, 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 there's hope, you know, doesn't really (laughs) help. Sometimes you just need to hear in agreement, yeah, this sucks. Yeah, and I think that's really important. I think sort of initially, you know, people were trying to uh, to just kind of glide through the pandemic a little bit and be like, it's okay, it's fine. And it's like, there's an element that's true to that. Mm-hmm. But there's also a, a point where you have to go, ah, you know, I feel I feel like I should be getting up and doing more with my time. It's like when the pandemic lockdowns hit and people are like, you know, well, during the last plague, Shakespeare wrote King Lear. What are you doing? And it's like, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> you just have to survive. That's all. If you survive a plague, you've already won. That's fantastic. You know? I love that. And so even in your year-end wrap-up for 2020, it wasn't a grandiose message of hope. It was a straight up, <laughs> this year was terrible because it was. So let me ask you, you know, in fairness, is there any good that the culture can take out of 2020? We're not talking about on an individual level, but as a culture, can we take any good out of 2020 and and why does that matter? I mean, I think a thousand percent. I think the biggest thing that struck me about 2020 specifically and going through the pandemic and all the awfulness of that was the, and there still is, and I'm, I'm hoping to address this somehow articulately now and also in a video um, is uh, people look at other generations like, for example, the flu, you know, the the so-called Spanish or Kansas flu in 1918. Mm -hmm. And uh, they look at World War II or World War I or something. And they sort of take those generations of people that live through that and they go, God, that's really extraordinary times. It's unbelievable. I can't imagine it. And I think it speaks to especially us here in Canada about how easy we've had it because we're now going through extraordinary times. But a number of people just won't own up to that. They won't Mm. actually... They haven't really grasped the idea that yes, we're we're this is the thing that happens in life, and it's really horrible and trying, and we'll be talking about it for decades after this. Um, and I think that what we take away from that is being aware of the value of things that were really taken for granted. So I think we're mm. so lucky to have technology, so we can have a way to connect with each other through video chats or, or even just like right down to the telephone uh, or emailing or, you know, social media or whatever, we can stay in contact with people. And I think that that's really 
something that we've taken out of 2020 and realized, oh, we actually do kind of need each other and we should put an importance on that and also put an importance on our mental health. And I'm hoping that coming out of 2020, we can look at that and go, okay, these are now priority items. So at the Mm -hmm. top of the list uh, for anything we do from here on in, let's make sure those are addressed immediately as opposed to thinking they don't matter because we've lived through a time when we knew that they were integral to our survival. I'm hoping we take that away. Could you imagine if we didn't have the internet during this? Like if, no. like, let's just say, let's just say we just had the telephone and, and television. Like you'd be no. watching TV twenty four seven. You'd probably be on the phone a lot more uh, as yeah. well. But inter- the internet has really helped to keep people connected. <laughs> oh my! Even if this happened five years ago, it would not be the same as it is now. Like, you don't think be so? As fortunate. No, I think even five years ago. You know, there wasn't sort of a proliferation of technology. Mm. The means of production weren't in the hands of as many people. Uh, The means to consume the content that was created wouldn't be in the hands of as many people. Um, And certainly not for, you know, I look back at five years ago, my mom, who's by no means an old lady, but she's in her early 70s. And uh, she she's really savvy about stuff now, Mm -hmm. uh, much more savvy than she was five years ago. So I think that, yeah, without the Internet, it would have been. I mean, we're so fortunate to to have this means of connection with people. I actually met as a as a side star. I actually met Vince Cerf, who was one of the three guys who created the internet, not oh, the okay. web, but yeah. the internet. Wow! Uh, when he worked for the uh, the U.S. Department of Military, whatever they're called. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I was I was kind of overcome when I met the guy, but I was like, hey, you know, and I made a video about this as well, but I, I literally said to him the first time I met him, I was like, thank you so much for the internet. I have a job making stupid videos on the internet now. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it's not what he was thinking it was going to be used for. It's like this amazing, you know, a, a feat of humankind. And it's like, I make stupid six second videos on it. Thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. I mean, and I'm just thinking about the video conferencing technology as well. Right. Like it's, it's there at that right time where we were able to not just, you know, I mean, we've had Skype and we've had FaceTime for a little while now, but we're really able to get multiple people in on a call. And it's like Mm -hmm. very, you know, the, the fidelity of the call is pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. It's as good as your telephone, right? Yeah. This was the first year that we've seen my wife's sister's brother and her mother on Christmas day. Like we just don't have any connection with them apart mm. from them. They live quite a, quite a ways away. One of them lives in England. The rest of them live sort of Eastern Ontario. And, uh, this is the first year of thanks to, because we were like, well, you know, we should do a group call. Let's do that. And so we just all gathered around and we got to see everybody. It was fantastic. Cool. It was amazing. Yeah. You brought up an interesting point in that year end PSA about, you know, it, the, the PSA was about the, the worst things or the best things of, of 2020. Right. And you brought up this point about how years are arbitrary and our problems don't get magically fixed with the turn of a calendar. Mm -hmm. There's obviously so much excitement to put this year behind us, but do you think folks truly understand that like a lot of 2021, at least in terms of the pandemic will probably look like 2020? Because my worry is that, you know, even though yes, vaccines are being rolled out, People have to dampen their expectations about going back to quote unquote normal, whether that's parties or concerts or travel or wearing pants at work. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I think it'll be a different kind of normal that we return to anyway. But I think the biggest difference, and again, years years are arbitrary without question. Like Mm -hmm. it's not like things just get magically fixed because we're writing, you know, we're typing out 2021 instead of 2020. Mm -hmm. But I think that, uh, the biggest difference is, is is like the idea of like going into a tunnel, like there's a, like the Allegheny mountains tunnel, Allegheny tunnel in Pennsylvania, you drive through it and it's this huge tunnel and it's gets super dark, but there's lights inside, obviously. And that's, that's 2020 is going into that tunnel. Mm-hmm. And then 2021 is the other half where you're like, it's still dark. It's still crappy maybe, or you don't enjoy it or you don't like being in close spaces, but you can see your lead, you know, you're getting out. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of optimism is going to be uh, what carries people through. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to kind of tap into that 
and try to reassure people that we're not out of the woods yet, but, mm-hmm. uh, and we still have work to do, but at the same time, it's like, let's, let's take a breath and, uh, let's enjoy, you know, some of the things that will, that we won't have to do, uh, or won't get an opportunity to do as easily once the pandemic's done and regular life returns. Mm-hmm. Are you a new year's resolution guy, brittle star? No, no, <laughs> I'm not. I don't. I mean, I have before. I'll tell you what my last set of New Year's resolutions were, and this is this is absolutely true. Um, my last set of New Year's resolutions would have been about, I'm going to say, 22 years ago. Whoa! And I said uh, I want to swear more and be more assertive. <laughs> I mean, those and can go year, hand in hand. That's, that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, well, maybe. And the year before that, I uh, know maybe like three years before that, I uh, my resolutions were to start smoking because cigarettes got cheap and I, I lasted two weeks. And I was like, oh, that's right. I'm asthmatic and smoking stupid. <laughs> so it sounds like you weren't picking the right resolutions. Is that what <laughs> soured you away from them? I, I I think uh, I think the swearing one's pretty good actually. I think the swearing <laughs> one's pretty great because I think that's the it's you know our kids are now uh, eighteen and twenty one, and uh, one of the biggest benefits we've had this pandemic is we've kind of like put a moratorium on not dropping the f bomb when needed in conversation. And sure. It's like, this is this has made things better in our home. <laughs> this has made things. Everyone's you sort of say your sentence and you drop an f bomb and you're like. Ah, I feel like I've let something go. Yeah. And everyone's like, everyone in the room's like, yeah, that's right. That sentence did deserve an F-bomb. Good for you. <laughs> I love it. I might add that into my repertoire, even though some people say I have to stop swearing. So we'll see. Never. Those people can go for, oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, you can swear on this podcast. It's <laughs> Those people can go fuck themselves as far they as can. They can. They yeah. can absolutely go fuck themselves. <laughs> you know, I, I acknowledge that the turn of a calendar is arbitrary, but I love New Year's resolutions and I've been fairly successful with them over the years. Definitely not in 2020, but I love them because I think if harnessed correctly, they can be really great. So they allow you, sure. they allow you to look back at the last year. And I think that's important for, for even this year as well. Just looking back at the last year, just to see what you learned, new people that came into your life. You know, just doing like a, a little check for yourself. Sure. The one thing I, I think where people get caught up in New Year's resolutions is their goal is too tangible in the sense that, you know, the classic one is losing weight, right? So you'll get someone who says, yeah. I want to lose 25 yeah. pounds. And I've always been a guy that says, make the goal the process. So if you want to lose weight, say, I'm going to meal prep every single meal you know, on Sunday nights for the week and it's going to be healthy and I'm going to work out these days or, or, you know, add add some flexibility if you want and make it about the process and behavior changes as opposed to like an end goal, because that end goal can be very difficult, but you can achieve your new year's resolution literally within your first week. If it's just about a behavior change. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, no, I think that there's, even though years are arbitrary, I think that, you know, pretty much everything's arbitrary in life, except like, you know, death and your, your, you know, whatever. Uh, so, you know, it, it, any, any excuse to improve your behavior or, or take a step towards you being happier mm-hmm. is whatever reason you need to make that step is, is good is fine. I mean, I, I think back to like, I used to constantly buy new notebooks, like blank notebooks. And that would be my arbitrary way of saying, okay, here's my fresh start. Here's where, here's why, <laughs> you know, start from here. Um, yeah. I think the new year's resolution thing, like people like they put too much pressure on themselves. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest concern with new year's resolutions is they do say things like I want to lose 30 pounds by March. And it's like, come on. Well, first of all, we're in a pandemic still. <laughs> Secondly, it's winter. And unless you live somewhere like Vancouver and those big softies out there, uh, then, you know, you're dealing with winter and terrible weather. You're going to need some sweets and you're going to need some booze probably. So, you know, let's, let's be realistic. You're going to need this. some natural extra layering, you know, to keep you warm. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, I heard you were invited to the White House. Was this during the Obama presidency? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> Otherwise, I would not have gone. Uh, I have to, uh, whenever I tell people that I have to clarify the Obama, 
White House. Yeah, uh, yeah. 2016, I, I was invited because uh, Prime Minister Trudeau was uh, doing the a visit to the White House, and he had just become Prime Minister, and mm. uh, uh, they were doing an arrival ceremony, and the White House contacted me as a social media content creator who had uh, considerable American following, but was from Whoa. Canada. Um, cool. So that that was me at the time. It was it was fascinating i love washington dc in general it's an amazing city did you get to meet any of these folks not a single person <laughs> no so for example i've in this past year one of the weirdest things that's happened in this pandemic is uh uh i've become well no that's not that's not, i'm overstating it massively i've had the chance to chat with ryan reynolds a number of times oh okay and, that's pretty cool yeah which is really great you're and friends. you guys nice. are best friends just admit it you're best friends well, I didn't want to say that, but, uh, but, you know, he's like sent me some gin and like, like, you know, it's pretty great. It's like they nice sort of chatting back and forth. Uh, and he was at the white house the same time, apparently. And I did not even meet him. So. Wow. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I want to get into that hypothetical. If you were invited to the white house uh-huh. by president Trump, uh-huh. he's only president for a few more days. Would you, you, you said you wouldn't go, but why wouldn't you go? I wouldn't go because uh, I I liked it better when I didn't care about American politics as much. I know American <laughs> politics is it's it's incredibly important to Canada, um, and to ignore that is foolhardy. Um, so I'm very very aware of how important it is. Mm-hmm. However, I'm an idiot who makes videos on the internet. I shouldn't have to know anything about the American political system. Yeah, and one of the uh, you know side effects of the past of the the administration that's outgoing in the u.s currently is that i have i'm aware of like you know mid-elections congress like i know what the house mm-hmm. and the senate is and it's like oh my god and the reason i know that is because it feels like we're you know hurtling and down the road with some idiot driving the car and uh it's like i can't support that i can't i'm not going to be i'm not going to use my platform to pretend like that's okay yeah uh and certainly it became a question of like people would say initially during the whole trump thing well this is you know let's not talk politics it's like well there's a line between politics and just basic decency yeah and i think that that line is crossed therefore i can't support that it's like even if george w had invited me i'd be like yeah all right i'll go that's fine because it's i can see the bigger picture and whatever but yeah not for the trump administration which is really you know what's really hilarious about that is that when i went to the white house the two people who were in charge of social media for the obama administration Mm -hmm. administration not the head guy but the two people below and uh they had said to me that they had never worked with so many smart people ever in their lives like they said the the, every single person is like you know just phenomenally smart intelligent gets it they don't need to be told twice they understand they get concepts the whole bit yeah and and i feel that kind of just dropped right off off the map (laughs) 2017 i guess from the outside it certainly seems that way i was i was just curious as a hypothetical because i think you know, you think about the magnitude of that type of invitation, right? Like that. Yeah. And, oh my God, and, and yeah. the fact that you were invited to the, the white house under the Obama presidency is amazing. Like that's, sure. you, you know, such an honor. But then I, I was just thinking about that hypothetical. Like if it was president Trump that invited you, would you go? Cause on yeah. one hand it's, it's saying like, would you go? Probably not. No, for the same reasons that you said. And I, and I'm yeah. a, I'm a political guy, but I think, the things that this particular president has represented, the things that he has mm-hmm. said, I don't know if I could. And and, and I would feel, you know, I'll, I'll admit, I'd, I'd feel somewhat conflicted because, again, it's this huge honor. Absolutely, but he's this such he's such a big anomaly in American history. <laughs> I well, I mean, in I terms thought, of how I mean, terrible he is, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's. I think you're being really generous by by saying he's an anomaly. But I think that one of the things that I've, the biggest takeaway from the U.S. political situation in the past four years, I said this to a a friend of mine who's in who's an American living in the states, and I said, you know, the past four years have been a terrible commercial for America. Like I, I, I literally have <laughs> like we've just abandoned all plans to travel to the states. We go to con- you know con- conferences and stuff in various places. And it's mm-hmm. like nope, we're just next year we're just not going to go yeah 
I might, I maybe I'll change my mind. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but the other thing is, uh, and we were talking about this yesterday as a family here is, uh, about how in the U in the U S you'll see like Bernie Sanders brings up like these massive novelty checks when he's making a point and all that kind of stuff. He's yeah. huge. Sort of, like, this is a check to Amazon. <laughs> this is a check to Amazon and it's way too much money. And he does this, uh, thing. And then, uh, uh, we were talking like, can you do this in the house of commons in Ottawa? Can you do that here? And we looked it up and it's like, well, there's no rule against doing that, but we've just kind of all determined that's a bit, you know, crass. Let's not, do that unless we absolutely have to let's not do that it's sort of a for lack of a better term a gentleman's agreement and i think the past four years in the u.s have proven that gentlemen's agreements don't work <laughs> I, think, <you> know, <laughs> I think we have to have something in place and dear god i hope the u.s does really like you know you know all the stuff we just assumed people would do we should probably write that down <laughs> instead so we can actually stop them you know? yeah i like the idea of bringing prop comedy to the house of commons i think it could use that <laughs> Like Gallagher style, like sure. just a big mallet and a watermelon. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you got a birthday shout out from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Did he get I you did. a present? I mean, it sounds like Ryan Reynolds got you some gin. What What did yeah. Trudeau get you? Uh, the uh, The Prime Minister bestowed upon me his birthday greetings, and in which I think was amazing in itself mm -hmm. and brief enough that I didn't feel like he was taking his eyes off the road, which is good. Um, uh, but I think most heartwarmingly to me is that he gave these greetings in relation to a video, not a video that I did supporting the COVID alert app, mm -hmm. not a video supporting mass, not a video supporting, you know, social distancing and supporting local business, not doing the Christmas wish tree thing that I did, like not doing all the amazing, wonderful things that have made me so cherished, but rather <laughs> a video that just talked about how amazing I was. And it was my birthday. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> so he stroked your ego is what you're saying. Yeah. And I think that's pretty cool. Don't you? It's like a Absolutely. world leader doing that. That's pretty <laughs> great. I love that. So we're in this world where you have had your content viewed half a billion times, probably going to top a billion by, by the rate of your growth, which is just like incredible. And when you Thank think you. about it, like so few people in human history have had that kind of reach that is now possible with the internet and that's not to say mm -hmm. everyone does it or it's easy but it's it's possible now just to reach that many people when we talk about this idea of quote unquote a social media celebrity what is it for you in stratford like what is you know do you get noticed do, even with your mask on does it change yeah. your day-to-day -day life I mean, there is, I mean, initially, like I've been doing this for seven years mm -hmm. and we, we blew up in 2013 after a few viral videos. And, um, it's been at that time, it was kind of like one of the first big events we did was in Disneyland in California. And like, it, I was in the same bill as grumpy cat and stuff. Like, it was really weird <laughs> mix of people. And, is that an uh, actual cat? Like there was yeah, a grumpy cat, cat. Yeah. Grumpy cat, an actual cat. And so there was a cat at this convention where you were. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. At Disneyland. Yeah. And there was, they had brought to grumpy cat and then backup grumpy cat, which nobody knew about, <laughs> which I'm surprised must've died before grumpy cat. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, the doesn't matter. Cause I'm still alive. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, initially at that time, people would, I got like maybe six people recognize me and that was nice. That was lovely. And then, as time went on, like people sort of realized, oh, you know, I remember a friend of mine uh, who was also a content creator. We we're out for dinner and she was with her son and I was with my youngest son, Gregor, mm -hmm. and we were in Los Angeles. And she was like, oh, I had some woman come up to me today and she was all shaking. And I was like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I just can't believe I'm meeting you in real life. And she's like, oh, that's, that's, let's take a picture or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she's telling this story. She's like, oh, that girl, that girl is just being so stupid. Like, I'm just, I was like, no, no, she's not stupid. Like, you're basically like someone from TV, like who's yeah. just jumped into real life. And I think that the power of social media now has made it sort of that idea of social media celebrity, which, you know, I used to be called a vine star and people got <laughs> made fun of nonstop for being called a vine star. And it's like, yeah, I'm getting made fun of, but I'm also going to the white house and making a lot of money per video. So who's laughing? <laughs> um, and, you know, it, during all that time we were filming in New York and I mean, one of the weirdest times is being our whole family was in New York and we were recognized on at times square crossing the street. People were yelling out, Hey, it's you guys from Vine, brittle star. Whoa. It's like, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so I think that whole idea of social media celebrity was cheapened before. And I think people are now realizing 
maybe even subconsciously realizing that it's just another medium. It's just like TV in your hand or on your laptop or something now. So, yeah. And there certainly was that time where, and we talked about this a bit before starting to record, but you had that crop of Vine stars coming up and you had yeah. these Instagram influencers and YouTube stars. And there almost seemed to be a little bit of a battle for legitimacy because totally. they weren't seen in the same light, even though, you know, they were reaching as many people as the biggest movie stars. Oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, th- you know, I, I think back to the like 2000 and, 15 or 2016 and uh we had we took some meetings with nickelodeon with disney and with dreamworks which was awesome as tv that part of it was anyway back Mm -hmm. then and uh we did a show like we got we went into a meeting and they were like yep whatever you want to do give me three ideas so we pitched three ideas and they're like the next morning they sent through a contract for one of the ideas it's like oh this seems easier than it should have been but okay (laughs) um which was great and lots of fun and then conversely here in canada um you know my youngest son uh was auditioning for various like films and stuff they do self-tapes and then but we would go for these auditions and we'd show up in Toronto and they'd be like, Oh, and your name is, and they'd have no idea. They'd never even seen him before mm-hmm. whatsoever. And it's like, why this is stupid. Like, how do you not know who you're having? First of all, coming in for auditioning, why are you wasting your own time? Yeah. But then also I remember the one time he was, it was for a TV show. It's a fairly popular TV show. And, uh, they said, so you talked about, uh, you know, making videos on your own. That's really fun. So what kind of videos do you do? And he's like, Oh, I do comedy videos. And this was like 2016. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was maybe how old he'd be, maybe 14 then. And, uh, like, I make comedy videos and they go, Oh, that's really great. And so do you like post them on YouTube and stuff? And he's like, well, sometimes, but I post mostly on vine. I'm like, Oh, that's really great. How many followers do you have? And he's like, I have 280,000 followers <laughs> and I get about like 3 million views per video when, you know, like this TV show is pulling in maybe 800,000 viewers per episode. Right? It's like, come on, come on guys. You yeah. Know what I mean? it, that, that was an interesting time. Do you, do you feel like those two worlds have come together in terms of how they see each other or at least, at least maybe how the consumer sees them now? Like it's just media, as you said, like, it's just one big yeah. thing as opposed to social media and traditional media. I don't know if they've necessarily come together. I think out of necessity, they've been mashed together and they have to be like that. I think that there's still some division between traditional media like TV and new media, for lack of a better term, which is social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think some people are understanding the difference. Like I think I'm very lucky. I, I've done a, a, a few segments now for, uh, for global television. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a, a executive producer there who's uh, Leslie, who's amazing. And she, she really kind of gets it. She's like, yep, this is like people watching you on their phones and on their computers. They're going to watch you on TV as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I mean, I hope she's right. I think people seem to enjoy it, which is great. <laughs> um, but I think that, uh, you know, I remember going in 2015, I went to the world media festival in Banff and I've been a few times, but that was the, maybe the first year I was there mm-hmm. and I was one of only three social media content creators at the world media festival wow and it was like you guys are in trouble unless you start <laughs> turning the ship around <laughs> like we you know even the people i was sitting with it's like and i'm i would by no means did huge numbers back then i did okay mm-hmm. but it's like there's there was again like more people watching my videos were watching a lot of these tv shows that yeah. were being uh, talked about so I think there's kind of been, they've realized media is media as, as exactly as you said. And they realize they just, they have to get along and they have to kind of work together somehow because people are just consuming things. It's getting easier and easier to watch a YouTube video on your television. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge difference. I think that's that sort of broken down that wall between, uh, and people will also watch TV shows while second screening with their phone on their, in their hands as well. So I think that the technology is forcing those two disparate parts of media to have to work together. Second screening. And then also we're starting to get those devices like the Google home and the Amazon, whatever they're called with the screens. Yeah. And you can kind of watch videos and stuff on them in your kitchen or bedroom or whatever. Totally. Totally. For, for me, it's interesting. It's interesting. You bring up global because I, I'm a contractor for them for global news radio here in Vancouver. And I think it was that same idea where they're looking at these new places 
to scout talent and to scout connections and, and to who to bring on their media, which I think is fantastic. One thing I will say, though, and I have to get over it. I know it's my own <laughs> dumb ego, even though I'm very small potatoes. One thing I have to get over is when like a traditional media person starts podcasting and I'm like, no, don't get out of here. This is new media. Get out of my lane, yeah, man. You're already established. Like, you know, you'll have some like famous uh, Peter Mansbridge, you know, I love Peter Mansbridge, yeah, but like yeah. he starts podcasting. Boy, be careful. He's from my hometown. <laughs> oh, now. is that right? Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll go easy on him, but <laughs> you know, he starts podcasting and I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Like that, your traditional media, get out of here, man. You've had your run. Just get out of the way. Stay in your lane. But it is a two way street, right? Like, so if I expect to have these opportunities in traditional media, I clearly also have to expect some folks from traditional media to cross What I over. find really hilarious is how a lot of traditional media people who have tried to move into social media, whether it be po- you know podcasting or content creation or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I find it really funny because they initially come in with a lot of excitement. Like I think you think about people like Will Smith, who's an incredibly talented mm-hmm. uh, actor and performer and just like a, just a kind of a cool guy and just a phenomenal you know, force on screen. Yeah. Um, certainly like a, an A-list star without question. And, uh, he started doing, uh, TikTok videos and Instagram stuff and YouTube stuff in the past year and a bit. But what's hilarious is they get into it initially and they do like one on their own and they're like, ah, yeah, this is great. I got like, you know, 15 million views. That's really super easy. Mm -hmm. Oh, you guys want another one? And they sort of realize that it's actually hard work. And then they end up just hiring people who have already been making videos to actually have friends of mine who are, doing all the content for Will Smith. It's like, it's not Will Smith anymore. It's just Will Smith on a different screen. That's it. You know, right. He's not a content creator. He's just a, the face. That's it, which is fine. But uh, yeah, but my wife gets really ex- angry when she sees, uh, you know, traditional media stars doing online uh, brand deals, like brand campaigns. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's our bread and butter. Get the hell out of <laughs> but I think you're right. You know, a lot of these things, whether it's creating videos or podcasting, it's a different skill sets. And there are a lot of people Mm -hmm. from traditional media who have tried to cross over or even traditional media companies, which have tried to create, you know, a podcast or some sort of show. And they've just realized it's a lot harder and it's a different format altogether from what they're used to. And that's something I've learned from the other side. You know, I go onto radio, it's a different beast. Like it's not, it's not like this where I just sit, sit down and I'm chatting with you. It's yeah, there's a lot more moving parts and it's, you know, some of the, some of the skills over, overlap but it's different (laughs) oh it's very different yeah i think they all have their own strengths and they're very very different for sure one of the things doing television has taught me in the past like i've done i did a panel on ctv news channel for about three and a half years Mm -hmm. and uh one of the things that taught me was how tv people are unflappable like news people they don't they like they can be like okay we have uh we have uh, a minute and a half so we've got 90 seconds till we're live and you should probably uh get your mic it's over there and uh maybe yeah. get your earpiece i'll just I'll find one for you and i'm like oh my god there's 90 seconds to go and they're like 90 <laughs> seconds is forever don't worry it's <laughs> fine so i've learned that they're unflappable yeah yeah one of my favorite psas of yours is the who cares one because this is an area where i get myself into trouble as you said a lot of times arguing on the internet is akin to bar fights. And I here and there find myself slugging it out and dumb internet arguments with dummies. <laughs> and I'll admit I'm a dummy too, right? But can, can you break down that PSA for me? Because you do concede that sometimes some yeah. people need to be put in their place. Absolutely. So how do you determine the line of who cares versus this person needs to be corrected for the greater good? I think that line is, I think people who, so essentially referring to the idea, let's just bring it down to like Twitter or Facebook where you're posting something and then someone comments something terrible about it or says something terrible and uh, in response to it or just to provoke. And then that desire you have to put them in their place by hitting the reply button and, uh, and just going in. And I think that line of when you shouldn't, shouldn't do that is more about uh, if, if it's, really harmful to someone other than the person who's posting the comment. Hmm. Um, if it's, you know, if, and it also you have to, I think you also have to look at the kind of amplification 
you would be giving to someone's bad argument by engaging with them. And I think you become more aware of that the more people who follow you or, or you engage with online, mm-hmm. you start to realize, oh, wait a minute, why am I fighting with this idiot who's got like four followers? Why am I amplifying this stupidity? Like this is, there's absolutely nothing worth doing that for. Um, so you kind of have to really be really picky and choosy about what you're getting into. And again, you do have to kind of, you know, credit people, people who sort of, who post, uh, you know, say like something about the virus being a hoax or something like that. There's so many of those people. Mm-hmm. If it's somebody who's got a, a lot of followers, then maybe it's time to step in and go, nope, this is not true. And I can address this because I'm not going to, I'm not adding any benefit to them by engaging with them. I can maybe match their engagement or I can help, you know, diminish it or at least sway them slightly. Sure. But, you know, I think that, that there's, so many people that will, I had a friend yesterday actually who got into a back and forth with, I'm pretty sure it was just a bot on Twitter. And uh, (laughs) it's like, dude. And eventually he said like, why am I fighting with a bot? And I was like, I said, yes, why, why are you fighting with a bot? This is stupid. So I think you have to look at it. Like, I don't want to, you know, amplify that. You don't want to see if some, if you go into that sort of bar fight analogy and you're in a bar and somebody is is making fun of your hair or making or whatever and you pass by and wait to the bar and they make fun of your hair it's like do i need to stop and engage this person when i know that my hair looks amazing do i need to like make a point of making sure everyone else in the bar has heard what they've said do i need to like is there any mm. benefit to me to saying hey everyone in the bar listen this person said this thing which was factually incorrect cuz my hair looks fire <laughs> and uh I want you to know about that so that I can address it. Like that's just a waste of time. Like yeah. you, nobody needs to do that. You just need to move on. Ah, you need to be my social media coach. Cause I get in trouble <laughs> with this. And, and the reason is I do, I just engage with people in general, especially on Twitter. Right. 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 So, because of the podcast creates these conversations, it's actually a great way to one promote the podcast, but also I just enjoy it because I get to hear from people and what they think and what they think of certain episodes. And so I'm always engaging with people just in general. Right. I will engage with the, and and sort of that momentum then (laughs) gives a propensity for me to engage with the idiots as well. And I, and I do that sometimes. My biggest thing is if you get angry on the internet, you lose. And so I try to approach that with some sort of humor sometimes, or, um, I'll just be very curt, you know, like if someone's, you know, as opposed to like mass writing something, I'll just be, I'll give them a two sentences. You're wrong. Here's why, whatever. Like, you know, but all the things you said are wise, but they're hard. It's still hard. It's hard. It's hard not to get emotional and and get riled up sometimes. Without question, because I think everyone has that sort of foolish belief that maybe my my tweet's going to change their mind. It's like it's not going to change their mind. They're idiots. Yeah, you know, I like think for me, it's like I got to set the record straight. Like, no, I'm not a douchebag. <laughs> let me let. Here's why. Yeah, <laughs> I think you. Know, I think you know. You would maybe. I don't know. It's you have to sort of determine where that line is. But I think that uh, you're right. You you should just never really get angry because there's zero point in it and. And also you have to keep in mind that a lot of people are just doing it for attention. Like mm. they're just like, they're just saying terrible things, certainly in the past seven years, because, you know, uh, we've created content as a family here. And, uh, my youngest son, uh, has done a lot of content on his own and is successful in his own right. Um, and my oldest son does a lot of music stuff and is successful in his own right as well. But we've had our fair share of hate comments. Sure. And we have learned pretty quickly that you have to go, nah, it doesn't matter. So my view on comments is like is much more traditional media style. It's like I, if I'm watching an episode of The Office on Netflix, I don't need some sort of scrolling comment from some dude in Iowa telling me what he thinks about this off this episode. It's like that's <laughs> it's immaterial to me. It yeah. doesn't matter. I'm watching it. I'm enjoying it. I'm consuming it. I don't need some idiot to tell me what they liked or didn't like about this episode because it doesn't matter. It, it's, it's totally immaterial. Well, that said, you're going to be my social media sponsor. All right. I'm going to call you whenever I have that temptation. Be yeah. like, Brittle Star. I'm yeah. I'm Jones and man, I want to dunk on this guy. <laughs> Not worth it, man. <laughs> Not worth it. It is interesting because, you know, the internet is a garbage place sometimes. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, you wouldn't be this big star spreading these great, important messages. I wouldn't exist in my local media if it wasn't Absolutely. for the internet. And yeah. 
we talk about the world being divisive and we watch these documentaries like The Social Dilemma, recognizing that social media as a mechanism can worsen a lot of these cultural divides that we have. You're not political, but you've brushed against the edges there, here and there. Yeah. Uh, I certainly am political. I'm an editorialist. I talk about politics all the time. I'm certainly no angel of unity by any means. I've screwed up in the past. (laughs) But generally, I'm trying to create content that I think is interesting. You know, my editorials are largely rooted in sticking up for regular people, sometimes at the expense of politicians. So how do we as internet content creators, or even just people on the internet, foster a place that isn't so divisive and angry, especially when we are commenting on things like politics or COVID idiots or people that yeah. need to be put in their place. I, th- I think my, my view, and I try to, I mean, I don't, I have a hard time sticking to this myself, but I think my view is that you, you need to be louder than the bad stuff. Hmm. Um, so when you've got, uh, it's like the, uh, it would be like a reverse version. Have you ever seen the movie uh, Cabaret at all? Or the musical Cabaret? I all? have many years ago, yeah. Um, so there's, like a, there's a scene in that, which is right uh, in the play, in mm-hmm. the musical, it's right before the intermission, um, where they're in a bar and uh, the, uh, uh, the you know, regular folk in Berlin start singing some sort of regular folk tune and then the nazis get up and the nazis mm-hmm. sing their horrible song and they get louder and louder and louder and the idea is the, the nazis have just drowned out all reason by singing this song and it's louder than anything else hmm. so i sort of see you know my job as a content creator to try to and anybody who does anything on social media not just like meaning somebody who creates videos for a living if you have a twitter account or a facebook account or whatever mm-hmm. I think that's your, the onus is on you to find those good things and make them louder than the bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say you put your head in the sand and you don't do anything about the bad things. You still have to work and still have to be, you know, work to make things better. But that's also part of the comments thing. It's like, let's not make loud, the bad stuff louder. Let's, let's just shut that up and like shut it down quietly and then make the good stuff even more exciting. I think that, you know, um, I'm a fairly big believer and I include myself in this group that people are idiots and <laughs> they will, uh, whatever, wherever, the party's going on, that's, that's where I, that's me. I'm part of that. So if you can create something fun and exciting and, and it's, you know, it's easy and you make people feel like they belong and it's doing a good thing. Uh, people will buy into that and that will, that will kind of take over. Um, you know, it works good or bad. So if we can work it for good, let's do that instead. Let's make the good stuff louder. I love that. And and you sort of touched on this idea, you know, calling yourself an idiot. I would call you that. But I also do self-deprecate. You know, I, I call myself a dummy all the time because right. the more I learn, I actually learn that I know... <laughs> I know nothing. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's like the older I get, the more I realize like I know literally nothing in terms of the knowledge of the uh, universe. I think that's the sign of intelligence <laughs> is realizing that you you don't probably don't have all the answers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so rooting yourself in that and not taking yourself too seriously, I find also helps. And that and that goes back to that idea of don't get angry on the internet, right? Like don't take yourself too seriously and hopefully you will not make an ass of yourself. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And the trick is to not believe your own hype too much. I mean, I have a massive ego. I have an absolutely massive <laughs> ego. But at the same time, I also know that like when I talk about stupid people, it's like I am in that group. I might be there might be a spectrum of stupidity and uh, I might not be as mired as some other people are in that spectrum, but at the same time it's like okay, yeah, no, I I don't know all the answers. I'm just an idiot like you. Yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I think that's kind of I once described my uh, appeal to people who watch the videos and, and share them and like them is I have this sort of like weirdly aspirational quality for people because a lot of people who recognize me like on the street and stuff will be in their early 20s which mm-hmm. is odd because I'm like in my 50s <laughs> and uh, but they'll recognize me and I think that the reason they recognize is because I'm aspirationally uh, I'm slightly aspirational they look at me and they go well he's old and he still seems to be having a good time and he seems to be doing okay. So yeah, I'd like to be like him. The internet's dad. Yeah. <laughs> internet's favorite dad. I stole <laughs> that from Alan Thicke, by the way. Oh, did you? <laughs> well, he had, he had, um, in his Twitter bio, he had America's favorite dad, but he spelled favorite with a U like the Canadian. Oh one. yeah. Yeah. And it was a bit of a wink and a nod. And then we got to spend the day we worked, like we filmed with him for a day 
uh, in California before he died, obviously, mm-hmm. um, like the year before he died. And or no, the same year actually. It was a January. He died in December, and uh-huh. uh, he was fantastic. He was amazing. And then when he passed away, I was like, "Well, he's not using it anymore. I'm just going to swipe this." So, Internet's favorite dad is what I became. The little asterisk. You usurped his throne. I don't know if I'd say that because I, I think he is America's favorite dad. But I think that uh, I'll say the Internet's favorite dad just because it feels like there's a lot less pressure, and it's like, uh, you can't trust anything on the internet. Yeah. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, then, do you feel threatened when people start calling, you know, premiers of the different provinces, premier dad? Oh, not at all. I mean, I think it's funny because, you know, when we started doing social media stuff, my kids were 11 and 14. Um, They're now 18 and 21. And I think that because I was already in my 40s when I started doing social media videos, it was the easiest way for people to understand who the hell I was and what the hell I was doing. It was like, you're a dad. That's what you're doing. And it's like, oh, am I? Okay. All right. That's fine. And I think that's so entrenched in, uh, I, I, in people's minds that it's like, well, you, that's, that's how you occupy. That's how I can compartmentalize you as you're a dad mm. character, which I mean, I am. There's no avoiding that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just an idiot. I'm, I'm just a guy who... <laughs> Apparently had sex twice and now has two children, and uh, that's about it. So. <laughs> You're certainly more than that. Brittle Star, what is your call to action, man? What do you want the people of Vancouver to know, and where can they find you? I want the people of Vancouver to change their two-way streets to a one-way system. Blocks over. I don't think it's too crazy. Cars parking on the side of the street. Come on, Vancouver, get your get your act together here. We need one way going one way, a block over going the other way. Speed the whole thing up. I'll be able to get to the airport and back. No problems. Much quicker. Less hassle. My cab driver won't get upset. It'll be really really great. I think that's the big one, obviously. <laughs> and then the next one is to uh, to amplify good. Oh, that's it. That's it. You were just going to cut it off there. Just amplify good. That's okay. It. That's something that amplify good. So be nice to each other. <laughs> and if someone does something nice, you should celebrate that. And they should get a little bit of a pat in the back. And, uh, you know, I just amplify good. And then also do that one way street thing. I love it. And I'm sorry I took away from the simplicity. I was expecting you to, to talk about that, but. I just think leaving it at that is good. Amplify good. I think, you know, people looking at me, they think there's, it goes deeper, but it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hey man, I appreciate this. This is exactly how I wanted to kick off the podcast this year. Just a friendly chat with a friendly guy. And I want the people to know it's true. You are very kind. You are very down to earth. Uh, I know you could be making a video right now for your billions of fans but you're talking to me instead. And I want to extend a heartfelt message of gratitude for your work this past year. And I know not just for me, but for many people, your videos changed people's days, man. They changed people's perspectives. They provided comfort without shaming that spectrum of human emotions that we all went through in the COVID coaster of 2020. And I hope you know that In providing that smile, that laughter, that understanding and sympathy for Canadians, you know, very simple, but so important that I admire your work. I think you're doing an amazing job and it means a lot to me to be able to chat with you. So keep it up in 2021 and all the best to you and your family. Thank you so much. That was so kind. It was a real uh, pleasure to be here and lots of fun chatting as well. I wish you guys all the very best and I'm hoping to see uh, you out in Vancouver sometime soon. I'm looking forward to it, Brittle Star. Thanks so much. Thank you. People, happy 2021. How cool was that? He is, of course, the internet's favorite dad. He is Stuart Reynolds, but of course, you know him as the serpent star, a cousin of the starfish that crawls around the seafloor using their flexible arms for locomotion. You know him as the social media star he is. He is brittle star. And I am Mo Amir telling you that in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace. Folks, I'm Mo Amir, this is CKNW, and this is your Van Color Moment. After drinking, smoking, gambling, binge eating, binging Netflix, swearing, and slandering, my biggest vice is toxic positivity. 
I'm mostly joking about those other vices, but I am serious about toxic positivity, the excessive happy state of mind across all situations that invalidates authentic human emotional experiences. That's right, your baby boy is a bright side bro, the silver linings guy, the sunny side of the street stud, Mr. Toxic Positivity. But 2020 has taught me that Hallmark platitudes are as therapeutic as stuffing your aromatherapy diffuser with hot garbage. Last year, we all felt sadness and rage. These are natural human reactions to situations that just suck. If you suppress these emotions, they eventually manifest into more pernicious, intense feelings afterwards. Think of eating a big holiday turkey dinner. It needs time to digest. You're not going to run sprints after you scarf down half a pecan pie, so why do we expect ourselves to put on a smile in the thick of heavy emotional anguish? We have to validate each other. When someone vulnerably expresses their troubles, don't dismiss them with a, it's going to get better. Instead, tell them, your feelings matter. It won't fix anything, but unlike a positive spin with good intentions, it won't shame negative emotions for what they are. Totally normal. Comfort someone just by listening to them and acknowledging their emotional experience instead of bypassing the messy feelings because they make you feel uncomfortable. If you yourself are in a challenging space, there is no shame in seeking professional advice. So let 2021 be the year of authenticity. Not because positivity is always bad, but because positivity isn't always normal. This has been your Van Color Moment with Mo Amir on 980 CKNW.